welcome back to the Renowned Leadership Podcast. My name is Stephen Morris. I'm your host, and I'm so happy you guys are joining in for another episode. And guys, today we have a very special guest, as always. I, I say that all the time, but today is actually a good friend of mine and a, a coach that has helped me uh, through my entrepreneur, entrepreneur, bleh, that word, journey. And um, she is a pretty incredible person with an amazing story. Uh, her name's Francine Ivy. And um, we, we kind of started this podcast off a little different. It's you know, the first thing you're going to hear is her talking because we just started talking and then I just started recording. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit different, but uh, listen, you are going to get so much value out of her. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining, guys. Let's get right to it. Here we go. husband had um, gotten into construction and had um, made his first million. He was under 30 and all of that. And he was sitting in his car and he was like, I hate my life. I want to be back in ministry and God, you're going to have to do something. And um, it wasn't two weeks later, his car was being hauled off, found out the guy had embezzled all the money, his partner and had went across to Europe and literally God took all of it and put him back into ministry. It was right before we met. And um, God will take you seriously when you say, <laughs> he's like, okay, let's go. Amen. Right? <laughs> that, it's just so cool. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll text you or Voxer you that, uh, that podcast so you can check it out. But they, awesome. they talk, they talk about just what we were talking about, uh, healthcare and stuff like that and how <laughs> Satan is using the healthcare system to do two things. One, to depopulate the world, which mm -hmm. I never thought of abortion that way. Like Satan hates us and he wants us to be gone. Yes. And so we're creating all these, or he's creating all these ways to kill us mm -hmm. that we don't even realize, you know, abortion, oh. fentanyl, like all this stuff that he's creating just to kill us. And we're mm -hmm. not doing anything about it. Yes. We're just letting depopulate the earth. And it's crazy that I, because I just, I heard them talk about it, that yesterday. And then I just, the day before heard uh, Elon Musk. Is that his name? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk. Yeah. Talking about how the world isn't in a population crisis. It's in a depopulation crisis because wow. our population, if you look at the numbers, mm -hmm. is like the best way to tell is compare the the adult diaper sales mm -hmm. to the baby diaper sales truth it's like it should be baby diapers on top but it's not it's adult diapers on top that means right. our population is going down he yes. is like so we are our earth is in a crisis of we're about to become extinct mm -hmm. yes and our see life. that happened in china first yeah mm -hmm. that happened in China first because they were controlling the population and now they're in the opposite. Yeah. Right. Wow. Right. It's crazy. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the lack of wisdom in our world right now it's absolutely crazy. stuns me. 
My my seventeen year old has more wisdom than most people. I'm right. like, mm-hmm. and he has yeah. to now because of the things he has to mm-hmm. face. I have right. to sit down and have conversations with him. That no way, I have these conversations at such a young age. So what what conversations do you have? Well, just all of what the world is pushing and what the mm-hmm. Bible actually says, and how to follow Jesus in a world that is, and how to love his friends that are messed up, right? majority and he meets them mainly in church and they're still extremely messed up and honestly how to even how to deal with um you know when he hears about abuse in the family and who's he supposed to talk to and um because friends share with him because they feel his wisdom and his heart toward them he's tender he loves he's very manly but he's very tender mm-hmm. and loves the lord and people feel it and so his friends share things with him that i mean it Man. blows my heart it blows my heart up. It does. So I'd take them all in my house. So, mm. so, I mean, that's crazy though, because when you think about it, like just everything that's out there, especially mm. for men, like yes. men are under, and I'm not trying to be misogynistic. No, but it or is anything, but men are really under attack right now. Like I totally agree with you. Totally. I've felt that all, for a while. Yeah, we aren't allowed to be men. Like, if if we try to be manly, then we're being toxic. Yes. It, you know, if we're not trying to be manly, then we're gentrified. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. But you know, well, we felt like that that, that the church was. Um, my husband used to say the church tries to tame men, and he said we're not supposed to be tamed, um, and uh, you know, it's be kind. Um, but there's a, there's a strength in men. And that's been the hardest thing about losing weight in our family is Mm -hmm. Lord. I I'm, I'm a girl. I mean, I'm a girl, my girls are girls. And how do I not tame him and make him, you know, where's the line? I, because you've got the world screaming, don't make your men bullies. Right. Mm -hmm. But they have a really bad line on what they call a bully. And then, you know, how do I make him a young man, right? With, with mm-hmm. a knife in his pocket and, a, you know, um, can drive a four wheeler and, and, you know, and be strong where eventually his, his bride will feel safe with him and, you know, and teach him also to open doors and to carry the things and to get up and work when other people are working. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's just a whole, I mean, it's, it's new for me and I'm an only child. I don't have any comparison. So, yeah. except that my dad was military and I, you know, hung out with that. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. He was Air Force. Oh, I cried. Um, Navy. Navy. Okay. Navy retired. So, and he retired because of me and I cried and was so mad at him. I lived on bases most of my life. So it was mm-hmm. a shock for me when we came to the States. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the same, the exact same thing happened to my kids. They hated it. Yeah. They hated public schools. They want to I see a big gray DOD ship. Schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I, when I see the big gray ship and when I get on a military base, like my heart just grows warm. Like someone who goes to hometown and is going to their mm-hmm. hometown. Like my, my kids it's are hometown. The exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, like it, it's crazy though, because what, what, what do you, what do we do? Like, how do we combat pornography? How do, cause I mean, like, I don't, so I, I, I don't know if she wants me to share this. She'll get over it. My aunt's son, uh, mm-hmm. her, her baby, um, mm-hmm. 
he got addicted to porn when he was uh-huh. 10, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt that. And she had no clue. And yeah. my aunt, my dad can attest to this. My aunt is a very Christian woman yeah. and runs her house that way. Uh-huh. And the idea that he got addicted to porn at such a young age was mind blowing. Like, yeah. I don't even, I don't even understand how he accessed it because she had such a strong tight mm-hmm. grip on every everything that came in and yeah. out of her house yeah but he still found it and yeah, the way it happened was there someone left a porn mag in a bathroom stall wow and wow. Uh, porn had a hold of him his entire childhood basically wow. wow like how do you how do you combat that yeah yeah well and the thing is is that even mm. if and and I, I'm here to say, and I wish they would put these statistics out there, is that young women are getting as addicted as men are. They're just more quiet about it. So porn? all, huh? To porn? Yes. Really? It's coming through Pinterest. It's coming through Instagram. Um, I mean, my my both my girls are you know also entrepreneurs and on all of that, and literally will have to hand me their phone and say, "Mom, I'm getting messaged." And I have to block them all. Like they don't even want to open it, right? So um, yeah, it's it's all over our social medias. Pinterest is horrible about it. And really? it would have known. I'm not on Pinterest. So I, yeah. I, I, I So I mean, it's a great site for pins and all this stuff. And if you're and like, I never see anything. But when they see that age, that young age, they start bombarding them. Wow. Yeah, because they know that's the addiction age. So, and I mean, TikTok is just a sewer. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, and again, like you're saying, I, I think I just meet the demographic, the mm-hmm. the young middle aged, almost mm-hmm. middle aged. I'm not quite middle aged yet. Yes, but um, <laughs> but you know, male. Yes, and like i've never once stopped i can't remember what they call them oh what do they call those those videos clickbait no it's not clickbait Mm -hmm. anyway the the girls you know Mm -hmm. with barely anything on dancing around like Mm -hmm. i've never stopped on any of those videos so tiktok has zero reason to have it in my algorithm but it is And it's like, I can't scroll through them fast enough. So I don't even do TikTok anymore unless it's a fellow entrepreneur that wants me to help them with some follows and comments. That's literally the only reason I get on TikTok because I can't be on TikTok without being exposed to all that stuff. And I'm sorry, I I don't, you know, I want to, I want to honor my wife and I I can't do that by looking at other women. So no, I was, um, I was on YouTube watching, there's a guy who, and I always think this is uh, anything dealing with entrepreneurism, making money, sales, all of that. I'm just drawn to it. I like Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. I like all that stuff. (laughs) So so there's a YouTuber that my girl, that my kiddos said, Hey, you need to watch him because he walks up to these people with very expensive cars and says, what do you do for a living? Okay. Yeah. I've seen that. Okay. So I kept noticing these people were naming something. These girls were naming something. And I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what it's called. And I'm like, so I asked my oldest, she's 27. I'm like, what is that? Only fans? Yes. 
And I'm like, there's a whole world out there that we don't even know about that is just like, anyway, yes, our kids have to deal with that. And the thing is, is that although my kids are protected and, and have been protected, but have been exposed, right? Same thing. Mm -hmm. They've come to me and said, you know, and I have such an open talk conversation with my kids that they've been able to talk to me, but, um, but their friends, like if they have any friends and I, I watch and I'm like, how, how do you let them just loose and all of that with me and your sister, sister, was it your aunt that mm-hmm, yeah, we're on yeah. top of our kids? Right. And they still get exposed. Right. What happens to the kids that have full reign? Like it, it absolutely blows me away. I honestly, and what's what sucks is like you're talking about the OnlyFans. They make so much money. They do. It, it's so, and like I can see how how easy they get drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And but what and what they aren't understanding is they're losing so much in the process. They're literally getting money and paying for it with their soul. Yes, absolutely. Like, it, it, it's it, it, uh, it, I can't imagine. In 20 years, like I can't imagine what they're gonna think. And they're they're either going to be crazy depressed and you know just completely if not already destroyed, mm-hmm. or they're gonna be so cold and callous yep. because they've just shut off the pain that mm-hmm. they're they're just they're not gonna be happy that way either. Mm-hmm. And, well, my husband, my husband talks about if you keep cutting off the lows the auto is you cut off the highs until you're literally flatline. Most of the people that we got in counseling and ministry wouldn't say I'm, I'm extra mad or I'm extra sad. They would literally say I'm numb. I'm mm-hmm. numb. And that's, that's what happens is they just, almost everybody reached a point. They'll just tell you, I have no emotion. I'm numb. Right. And you're he's absolutely right. That's, that's very wise because the, you know, the pain we go through is for like, it's for a purpose yeah. is to, is to help teach our, our minds how to mm-hmm. deal with these things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you, when you cut it off, when you ignore it or shove it away, you're, you, you know, you can't go all the way down here, but you can't go all the way up top either, because as you draw it or push it away, you're just drawing it closer, closer to center line, which is just nothing. Mm-hmm. And then he, he used to use ping pong tables in a big tub of water. And he'd say, you know, you get one ping pong, I mean, ping pong balls. He said, you get one ball, you can hold that up under the water. Like I'll keep that up under the surface. He said, then something else happens and you got, okay, I can hold two and then three. And then he says, eventually you're like holding them all down. Cause you have not learned how to deal with your emotions and how to, how to deal with what just happened next thing. Two hands are in there, your arms are in there. And all of a sudden one goes right? Just one takes off and you wonder what just happened, but all those ping pong balls, cause you flinch, right? And all the ping pong balls go. And then everybody's looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Right. Mm-hmm. But this has been building up the whole time. Right. And, How did we get there? How did that become uh, normal Yeah, to deal with our emotions that way? I don't know. I mean, and I remember being being taught that, you know, I needed to control my emotions and I needed, I mean, there was like a season of that. And now I were, it was maybe seven years ago. The first time I heard my emotions were warning signs and that there was emotional sunburn and I needed to deal with it. And here's behaviors that happen. I mean, it's 
seven years ago. It was the first time I ever heard that. Like, you know, especially in Christian realms, right? We just slap a scripture on it, put a truth on it, smile through it. No, got to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if I had not grieved? I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, but I had to grieve. Yeah. So I actually don't know what, can you, would you mind sharing what sure. happened with your husband? I, I don't, I, I know he passed away. I don't know the details though. Yeah. So, um, uh, 2000, January 8th, 2017, we're about to walk up on the sixth year. Uh, um, everything was great. Honestly, we were, um, my company was going at that time. I worked, um, for a company, had a team of 180 on my team, um, all sales, um, and uh, we had just come back from a big trip. He had preached that morning. We had started a church. It was growing. Um, and he had preached actually the message called Consumed by the Call. And it was incredible. Um, my youngest daughter um, did the worship that morning. My son gave his life to Christ that morning. Um, and I gave a prophetic word. And it was just awesome. My oldest daughter was on a cruise for her 21st birthday with my best friend and her best friend. So honestly, the world was at its best. I mean, it really was. And um, my husband and I had a very unique relationship and the fact that we worked 24 seven together and I felt like I was on a honeymoon all the time. Now we were, were, were both very passionate people. So I'm not telling you we didn't passionately argue too, but man, we're in love, <laughs> in love. Like, seriously, I can't argue with God because in 27 years, I got a, I got more love than most people get in a lifetime. So so sweet. Yeah. So that afternoon we're having lunch, had an incredible morning. We had talked to Reagan on the phone and um, he just looked at me. He said, today's the day of the Ivies. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I couldn't be happier um, with where we are in life right now. And I was like, wow. Um, I had no idea within hours I would need those words. So um, we finished lunch. We cleaned up. He said, I'm running to the store while you step into your meeting. Um, the store was five minutes around the corner. Um, I stepped into a, uh, uh, it was actually a phone conference with all my team. And um, when I came out of the conference, it went a little longer than normal. We were going to have coffee and um, discuss our week because it was a Sunday night. Um he wasn't home. And I was like, something's up. So, um, I took off, drove down the street and that's when I saw the fire trucks and the ambulances. And, um, I couldn't see the car. So I wasn't sure stepped out of the car and the police officer asked me, we had, a um, we had a specialty tag that says worship. And, um, so I could tell on his face when I told him that, that, that it was probably him. And, um, so, um, I went, took off back to the house after, well, a couple of my friends showed up at the accident with me. Um, and then we went and I had to tell my kids the worst thing I ever, ever could tell them. Um, and my whole life was crumbling around me because here's the thing. When you, when a pastor's wife loses a pastor, you lose your pastor, you lose your husband, you lose your kid's father and you lose your identity because that's who I was. I was the pastor's wife. So you lose everything. Like you don't, you just don't know what to do at that point. So I, I crumbled to the floor in my master bedroom and I was like, God, I don't understand. Like we were doing everything right. You know, we were raising our kids and, um, and I said, I don't understand. I said, I don't like it. 
I'm not happy with this and the decision that you're making right here. And I said, but I can't think that this heartbreak that feels like real pain that I didn't know that's how that happened. And the tears that I'm, that are flowing to this floor right now to this carpet. I said, I need to know it's for a purpose. And I said, please use it for your glory. Um, so, um, the next couple of days we had, I, I wouldn't call it a funeral. We called it a, um, a celebration of life. There were 2,200 people is when we stopped counting the people wow. that were there they were having to stand outside. People flew from everywhere. He had touched lives for years. Um, and, uh, I had four worship lead, uh, four pastors and three worship leaders lead this service, um, over a hundred hands got up raise their hands to give their life to Christ. Cause I shared the gospel at the end. Um, and, um, so Thursday at, that was Saturday, the Thursday after that, God woke me up and he said, I need you to get on the daily Devo. Now the daily Devo, this is when Facebook live was going crazy. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was just coming out. Everybody was doing it. And mm -hmm. so my husband was hopping out there at 7.30 and he was a morning person at 7.30 in the morning. And he would give a devotional, just 15 minute devotional while people were going to work so that he would encourage them. And so God woke me up and he said, I need you. It's, it was 5.30 in the morning. And I remember, cause I don't wake up like that. And um, he said, I need you to get on the daily Devo. I was like, first of all, I'm the wife. I don't have the four doctorates that he has. I have no idea what I would say. And God, honestly, I don't have anything to give. And so we argued for a while. And finally, I put my makeup on and hopped out on the Daily Devo. And honestly, Stephen, I, it was raw, real tears. Here's where I'm at. Here's where the kids are at. Here's where God's meeting us. And here's how he's healing us. And that was it. And I figured 50 of my friends would hop out there and figure out that I was on there. And at least I'd give them a report of what's going on. Before midnight, 34,000 people had seen the video. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and God said, Francine, he said, everybody knows where I am on the mountaintop, but they don't know where I am in the middle of, of the valleys. And he said, everybody wants to know where I am when bad things happen to good people. And he said, I need you to walk them through your grief. So for three and a half years, every morning, 730 in the morning, God woke me up and put me on a daily Devo with a word. And I just walk them for three and a half years, Monday through Friday, every morning for three and a half years. And wow. that's, God used that for me to heal because the only way that I can explain, and I've really not explained it this way is that when you have an open wound, there's a reason that it bleeds, right? It mm -hmm. has to flush, flush out. And God was like, the only way for you to heal Francine is for you to, is for you to give. Like, don't, don't yep. get up under the, what I wanted to do was put the covers over my head and, and never right. serve me. Right. I'd given enough. Right. That was my big sacrifice right there. And, um, God said, you know, you won't survive that way. So. Wow. Yeah. So, and then of course that eventually after three and a half years of that, God called me into life coaching during that season and then corporate coaching, which has been what I, what I do now is help people take their stories and their skill set and their passion and turn it into a coaching business because just like God did it for me, he can do it for everybody. And no matter how broken the story or how painful it is, God can use it if we'll give it to him. Uh, that's, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs>
how how did you find the the faith in that moment when you're on your knees crying yeah. into the floor yeah how, uh, how did you find the faith to to turn to god because that's something i i know i struggle with when things get get the worst yes that is the last place i want to i want to run yes yes so how did you find the strength to do that you know, I tell people you can't wait till that moment. I mean, God will meet them there, but it it really was the relationship I had with him before. And there's two different types of people, right? There's the people on one side that, that feel um, that when something goes wrong or they do something wrong, they're like, oh my goodness, I messed up. Um, I hope dad never finds out. And then there are the people who have the relationship with their father that says, oh my goodness, I messed up. I, I've got to find dad, right? And it's understanding that that that's God. Like I couldn't do anything without him and I knew it. And even as angry as I was, because I do know everything's father filtered. I know that God could have in an instant made that made that truck miss my husband's car. I know it, right? And I had to wrestle with that. I, I, I'm i telling you, I was as honest with him. There were days that I would just scream and throw my pillow across the room. There's, I, I know the sovereignty of God. So I, one, God gave me this, um, this beautiful picture and understanding. Um, my husband preached on um, that Sunday morning and on Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary that was killed on the mission field. And interesting enough, it was his wife that picked up his ministry afterwards, um, Elizabeth Elliott. Um, but he wrote the words um, in his journal just uh, weeks before that said, he is no fool if he would choose to give the thing he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. Um, Jim Elliott quotes are amazing, just mm -hmm. incredible out of his journal. Um, well, um my, a friend of mine called me from Alaska. Who's a pastor. He's a young man that um, actually was mentored in our ministry. And he said, Francine, do you realize what January 8th is? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, that's the same day that Jim Elliott went home to be with the Lord. And God said, Francine, if your husband was sitting on the couch, it was his day. It was his day. That truck driver didn't take his day. Satan didn't take a moment from his life. I need you to know that he's with me and that was his day. Now I need to be, just know that I am faithful to you through this. And he has been so faithful, so faithful. And what makes me cope with it is I know eternity is so much stronger than, um, than, I mean, so much longer. Eternity is so much longer than um, than our life yeah. lifespan here, right? Wow. Heaven uh, is as real to me now as as tangible as if someone said, "I've been to Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii other than touchdown and back to Japan." But, um, but it's as real to me as Hawaii. Like, um, and when you when the two become one, and one is in heaven, mm -hmm. it's that tangible to me. Like, I, I know heaven is real. It, and it's as real as a place I've never been on this earth. So. So, I mean, what, what if, an, an example of, of me is, you know, <clears throat> when I, when I got to war, 
and saw the horrible things that humans are capable of, mm -hmm. I became, I just hated God. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how can God let a, let someone on this earth that is willing to let their kid who's eight years old or 10, however, you know, whatever age go blow themselves up for the cause. Yeah. Like yeah. what kind of human being does that? Yeah. I, re and, I remember yeah. watching passion for the Christ and, and um, passion. It's funny. Um, you know, I'd seen all the Jesus films before and, and they're all, I mean, they're all sad and they're all hard at the crucifixion and all of that. But Passion for the Christ probably depicts it in its most real, raw right, way. Yeah. And I remember sitting there bawling. And you have to imagine by this time I had been saved a long time. And um, as much as I loved Wade, Jesus is the love of my life, right? And so I'm mm -hmm. sitting here, watch him be brutally killed. Um, and what I came away with and had to deal with was the same thing. How can, I mean, how can a world do that to him when he did nothing? Right? right. And I was like, God, right now, I love Jesus still, but I hate the world right now. I mm -hmm. absolutely hate the world. So I understand some of that feeling. I took it a little bit of a different way. Um, you know, people ask me, um, you know, how did you continue to love God in the midst of that? And how, why do bad things happen to really good people? And the answer really is, is that we live in a terribly broken world, terribly broken world is becoming more and more broken as, as broken generations are now raising broken generations. And the more we take God and we take the Bible out, the worse it gets, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't lead. There's no wisdom. Like you just, you're, I'm just seeing this, this, this world just spiral at this point. And the Bible is very clear clear that that's coming. He says, wrong will become right and right will become wrong. We're definitely seeing that. And um, it's just when the world is so broken. So my answer to that is that is why Jesus came. That is why there is a new heaven and a new earth and that there will come a time just as much as, you know, I just moved from one house to another. And in an instant, when we were moving the other house, we thought, would this ever end? And then boom, we're here. I remember being pregnant with each of my children thinking, am I ever not going to be pregnant? Am I ever going to be a mom? Is this baby ever getting here? And then all of a sudden from something that felt like it was taking forever is now suddenly here. There will come a point when we will be with him and there'll be a perfect heaven and a perfect earth and the lion will lay down with the lamb and that, you know, there will be no hate in our hearts. There will be no more disease and no more goodbyes and no more tears. And there is a perfect world, but God had to send his son to literally, you know, pay for the sin. And I said, why did it have to be so brutal, God? I don't understand. And he said, it's because you don't understand the heaviness of your sin. You don't understand the weight of your sin. Yeah. And, and he said, would you be okay with a slap on the hand for someone who killed one of your children? And I was like, no, I would not. And he said, there is, there is righteous judgment and it comes, but my son took it for you. And I was like, Ooh. so I look at the cross very differently. Now it is with depth of my sin, right? 
And so, yeah, the world's broken, but it won't be one day. It just won't. I started laughing because that's actually where I was. I was using my story to take you to ask you that question. And you kind of just cut me off yes, and answered my question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dad told me Led something. Spirit. <laughs> right. Dad told me something. And it's so funny, Francine, because I came so I became so calloused to God mm-hmm. that dad couldn't even talk to me about God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he knew he had the wisdom, thank God, to know not to push me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my aunts, you know, people I love very much, they wouldn't talk to me about God. They knew they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so God used my wife. Um because, you know, like I, I saw her, we, we used to work together and I saw her in the parking lot. I figured she was so beautiful. I figured she's just one of those pretty stuck up snobby girls. And I just, <laughs> but then she talked to me and it's like, oh, she's so sweet. And mm-hmm. um, so we started talking and then a couple months, not dating, but just talking. I was. I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl one day. She's so awesome. And then one day she, she just kind of dropped Jesus in in the conversation. And I was like, crap, she's one of those freaks. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was really upset about it. And then I'm like, you know, if she's okay with me being me, I'm okay with her being her and we'll just let each other be. And that's fine. I can live with it. So fast forward a couple or a year or so, and we got in a fight and I asked her, like, what do I have to do to get you to marry me? And she goes, you have to love Jesus Christ as much as I do. And it was like, Francine, I felt like I just got stabbed in the heart. Yes. Yes. Like, like literally my heart broke because I had zero intention. Yeah. Like I hated God so much. Yes. And, um, so I, I was talking, I, I, I I resolved like, well, what kind of man am I? If I let something so stupid, like come between me and the woman I love, like I have to fight for her in every way I can. And if I Mm -hmm. lose, I lose, that's fine. But what Mm -hmm. kind of man would I be if I just rolled over and play, you know, well, I guess I lost and I just roll over and die. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not what I do. Right. So I have to Mm -hmm. fight for her. So I have to at least try. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to my dad about it and I I was explaining to him what I just explained to you. Like, I hate God. Mm -hmm. God sucks. Mm -hmm. And dad literally told me, he's like, Jar, you just, you have to forgive him. And that, that struck me because it's like, who am I to forgive God? And, and I never stopped believing in God. Like, I, I've never questioned God. I just, I thought he was a, a horrible entity mm-hmm. to, to allow this earth to exist. And so when, when dad told me I had to forgive God, I didn't quite understand it. But he went on to, well, do you want to explain it, dad? Or do you want me to, do you even remember oh, yeah, that conversation? Okay. Um. He told me that, you know, it's, I'm not forgiving God for action. I'm giving God for perceived what I perceive, mm-hmm. right? And I have to get that off of my heart before anything can happen with God and I. Like, I have to get that off of my heart. 
because I perceived God did something to me. I have to to just remove it. And so I did. And man, it, it changed my life. Mm. And I imagine I'm, did you go through that feeling like God did something to you? Did you have to battle that at all? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a hard thing when you know the sovereignty of God on one hand, and especially the first time that I was a part of praying for someone's healing, praying for someone's miracle. As a matter of fact, we had moved to Texas and um, my pastor at my current church um, had a surgery that that ended up, there was some complications and we got word on Instagram that they had just life flighted him and that he probably wouldn't make it. And I remember the, the turmoil in my heart as I was headed into my prayer closet, praying for his healing. So his wife wouldn't be a widow and God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. And there was a song that came out from Bethel that says, God's still the God of miracles. And you talk about a wrestle right? Well, because there's a part of you, the flesh part of you that wants to go, where was my miracle? Right. Mm -hmm. Where was my miracle? And, but I think the thing that just kept coming back is he said, you've got to believe that what you cannot see um, and what you cannot understand, it doesn't negate the fact that I love you and I'm walking with you and that your husband, there's so many little things like, let me start with this. So I was like, it's not fair, God, that I have to stay and work while Wade got to retire, right? Because we work together. Mm -hmm. And God said, why do you think he's retired? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, don't you think we're preparing for me to come home to come and get you from there as well? He said, there's a new heaven and a new earth. He's at work. He's still working side by side for you for the same thing that you guys worked for before. He said, there are things mm -hmm. going on in heaven you do not understand. And that there, he is still serving me in ministry beside you just here and you're there, right? Because there was an understanding that if God had called me to stay in the States and him to go to, you know, to Fiji somewhere, right? Uh, we would have done that then. So there was something that was so settled in our heart that Jesus was first. So we used to stand on the, on the stage and we would teach marriage conferences together. And one of the things that we would teach was understand that when I married Wade, he was not the other half of me. I, and nor did he complete me. I was complete in Christ. He was complete in Christ. Our first love is Jesus. And then we came together. And created something beautiful. He didn't mm -hmm. have to complete me. He didn't have to meet my needs. Jesus had met all my needs. And that's the reason why we could be so in love and have this amazing marriage that was painful to lose, you know, to be that in love and that, you know, work 24 seven together. That was a blessing while we were here. It was very painful to lose. It was much more painful, I think, to lose. Um, so that was the first understanding was that we're still working together. For the same purpose, serving the same savior from just two different places. The next time I remember, um, you know, people would say to me all the time, I'll be honest, you know, when you're, you're in ministry, you may not think, say things out loud, but your heart will say things. Right. And so people would say, Jesus is going to be your husband now. And I, I literally would want to poke them in the eye. Like, <laughs> I don't want anybody to replace Wade. 
thank you very much. Even Jesus, you know, and I didn't say it out loud. I would smile, do my thing, but inside everything cringed, you know, God's doing a new thing. I hated new year's because everybody was talking about new things. The past is gone. And I'm like, I don't want my past to be gone. You know, I had a lot of goodness in my past. So all those kind of words, you know, move on, you know, all that. I still wear my wedding ring. I I still feel married. He's as real to me right now as he was when he, when he stood next to me. Okay. So, um, I was building a house at the time and, um, there was some, um, there was a certain kind of flooring that I wanted that the builder that I was using didn't use. And I was a little disappointed, but then he called me at a certain time and said, that flooring is, we've added it. And I know that's something you wanted. Do you want to sign it and put that in the house? I was like, yes. So I hurried down there and I signed it and then found out it was saving me $7,000. Now I'm just going to tell you, I am a diva galore. Anything. My, my dad used to laugh. He said, if there were not prices on the menu, you would still pick the most expensive. So it was a miracle <laughs> that what I wanted saved me money. Okay. So I I'm sitting in the car crying. And I was thinking to myself, right, where God can hear me. And I thought, wow, Wade must have been in the throne room praying for me, right? Because now he has full access to Jesus and asking for the little things, because this is a little thing that was a big thing to me. And I remember God tapping me on my heart and um, on my shoulder. And he said, um, now this is probably about three, three, four years in, three years in. He tapped me on my shoulder and he said, no, it wasn't Wade. It was me. I gave you that gift. And I was like, God, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like that. I don't want you to replace Wade. And he said, Nancy, he said, I'm not replacing Wade. He said, I have been here for you since you began. He said, I gave you Wade to represent me. He was the hands and the physical love that I have for you. I'm not replacing him. I've always been your, your love. I've always been there for you. I've always done it. I just gave you flesh and blood so you could see me. And all of a sudden that just turned in my heart. And so over the years, God has, I mean, over the last seven, six years, God has given me over and over those little moments, right? of fully understanding where I had one viewpoint and God said, no, Hey, but he didn't do it too early. He was gentle with me. He allowed me to throw my fits. He, you know, the first time I had to open a jar that was too strong and I couldn't open it, you know, it was like a weekend and I was over there trying to open a jar where I normally would call for Wade. And I just, I set the jar down really hard and I go, I'm not going to my neighbor and asking for this. You've got to open this jar And I mean, still, I mean, it still is emotional to me right now. The first time I had to barbecue by myself, the first time I took the trash out, right? Doing things that just reminded me, you no longer have a husband, right? He let me throw my tantrums. He let me tell him that I didn't like it. And he let me cover my head. But at the same time, I had a relationship with him. And I also knew the truth that I was fully loved. And that one day I would be reunited with Wade forever, forever. And that all the gifts, yes, right? And it's that real to me. And I think that's what just kept staying with me. I have forever, but there's a purpose that I'm still here, right? 
there is a purpose that I'm still here and I will, I will do it to the nth me until the day that I go. Cause that's real. One day I'm going to go. And I have a lot of goodness in heaven because I lost my father in 2020. So um, I got, I got more people in heaven right now than I, than I think sometimes I have here on earth until my kids start having kids, then I'll have grandkids, which will be amazing. So. Yeah. Not too soon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not too soon. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's such an, a powerful testimony, Francine, because I, I feel like in this day and age, like, do you, don't you think we feel like that's bad? Like, because I I felt like me forgiving God. I felt like that was a horrible thought. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people that, they're like, that, that's not right. But I mean, sometimes we, we just need to, like, God is okay when we hurt to throw our tantrum. Yes, right? absolutely. Like, there's no, it's He's not a, a loving father. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I, I I remember several times I'd tell my kids, you know, no, and they would just break just mm-hmm. because I told them no. Yes. And I I would sit there and watch them and mm-hmm. like, are you done? Yeah. All right. Knock it off. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. And, and God, God feels the same way. He knows where we are. He knows what we do not know. Right. I remember yeah. the first time one of my kids looked up at me when they were getting a shot. Right. And, and looked at me like, mom, you're helping them hold me down. Like that makes no <laughs> sense to them at all. Right. I would protect them with everything I have. I would pull, I would step out in front of a bus for them. Right. But why am I holding them down? Why a doctor puts a needle in their, in their leg? Like, uh, you know, like I could see just the look in their face of total distrust, right? Be, everything being broken. And we do the same thing to God when life hits us, right? And, but I have to just like, I I know that my heart, you know, the, immediately I'm like, let's go get ice cream, right? Because that's my kids love ice cream. So afterwards, you know, I know that just as much as I want to make things better of the hard things that they have to deal with in life, God does the same thing. And boy, has he shown it over the last six years, just being so faithful to me. So, and I, sometimes I think I get special things because I'm a widow and I've been through hard things. I really do. I believe God's in in places that I'm well, I mean, he has, he has a special place in his heart for widows, right? Yep. He sure does. Yep. He sure does. So, um, you know, I, I, I do know that I've had to tell him I've had to struggle on another end of, okay, I've done my big sacrifice, my big hard thing. And I heard a testimony about someone who had to deal with two hard things. I was like, I don't want to hear that God. Like, I want to know that I've done my hard thing. Like that's the thing. Right. And I'll never have to face another tragedy or another heartbreak again. There's not even a promise of that. And yeah. that's tough, right? So my wife has two sayings, but I absolutely hate both of them. Yes. One of them is everything has time. Yes. That just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. That makes me, mm-hmm. makes me want to punch holes in walls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the other one is everything is for, for a reason, which I really hate that one. Yes. Have you found God's reason 
for for Wade? I think I I think that there are peaks into it. Um, I, I think that people in the past people have tried to say certain things that I'm like, no, that's not the heart of God, and and I'm okay with people. I you know I'll just go ahead and say, let, let me speak to some people about dealing with other people with grief. Um, love them, give them space, and um, allow them to be who they need to be in the moment. And don't quit talking about their loved one. When they want to talk, talk with them. When they don't, don't. But, and don't be afraid. Please don't be afraid of people who are grieving. Because I think there was a whole section of people that just avoided us because they didn't know what to do with us. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a little painful. So, um, so I'm about to mention something that someone said, and I don't want people to be afraid of saying the wrong thing because you will, you just will. Right, you have yeah. no idea. Yeah. I would rather have words than non-words, even if they're wrong words. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, someone once said to me, um, God had to take weight in order for you to do what God's called you to do which, you know, at that time I'd stepped into ministry and then I was speaking all over the world. And then, you know, and mm -hmm. then, you know, the coaching and building my own entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and that's not God's heart. Right. Um, but God used it, right. Romans eight twenty eight says all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay. So Wade and I were both called and God's going to work it out to my good. But the truck driver running through a light too fast was not God saying, oh, I'm going to have to take Wade out to give Francine the ministry and the impact that she's having. That was God working a broken world out to my good, right? He yeah. already gave Wade, right? The good. Now I have no ill will toward the driver at all. Like we all, I mean, we, we almost immediately, we prayed for her because I can't imagine what she has to deal with. But, um, but it, it, it is, we live, that's the only way I can answer why, because there's not really a good why, mm -hmm. and there's no way if you get on the one, what if, um, Mary yeah. go round is right. not a good, not a good place to go. So I know God's sovereign. I know God loves me. Here's what God gave me. He gave it to me actually two years before in a worship thing. God is good. God is able. And he loves me. God is good even when things aren't good in my life right now. God is able even when he tells me no. And God loves me even when I can't feel it in my circumstance. See, my base is the truth. That's my baseline. That's my foundation. The rest of it has to make sense to that instead of the other. My circumstance has to make sense before I know the truth. And that's just, it, it's upside down. You can't do it. Right. So I had to put truth as my foundation. God is good and he's able and he loves me. Now I need to get my flesh and um, the circumstances to line up with that. That's, that's what I have to do. You know, <clears throat> I mean, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. Mm -hmm. I, and oftentimes I think people forget that that, that is what he does. He came to to kill us, steal our joy, and and destroy us. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think God gets the blame a lot of times whenever it's actually 
-hmm. not God, you know, and like you said, God actually, he just finds a way to use what, what our enemy does to us for our, for our benefit or the benefit of the world in, in spite of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah. And I, um, in, in its depth, I understand that Satan's out to steal, kill, and destroy the truck driver's life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And have you ever talked to the truck driver? No. Mm-hmm. You know, here's where you know the difference between your flesh and your, you know, and and the will, right? Mm-hmm. My, my spirit side of me. Um, the officer said, if you ever want to look at the traffic report, you can do that. And I know that the truck driver's name is on there. Well, mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. Right. I, I, I can't get on, on social media and see an anniversary. I can't get on social media. I, mm-hmm. I can be strong, but I also have to choose my boundaries. Right. Right. I know my flesh isn't strong enough for that. I remember something my counselor said, and it really helped me separate what my flesh can take and what my spirit knows. Right. And he said, um, grief was never intended for us. Like we weren't created for it. When God made heaven, we were supposed to live forever. Right. So Mm -hmm. because, because of that, um, our flesh was not created to deal. That's the reason why. And I had no idea. I mean, Stephen, I had I had sat across the table from people who had grieved. I mean, I had been in ministry for 27 years. There was one place where we stayed so long, police officers would call us to show up at the house before they showed up. Okay. So I've been in those moments when people were getting horrible news. Mm -hmm. I had no idea the impact of grief on our flesh of who we are. And I, um, so, but he said, remember your flesh is reacting although your spirit is strong and think about what Jesus said when he was in Gethsemane and struggling. And he said, um, he said, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so it was that moment of the reason why I chose never to know the name. And because I know my spirit is strong, but my flesh is weak and my flesh is very close to me. It's the worst enemy I have, right? We have the Mm -hmm. world, the devil and the flesh and the flesh is probably the one closest to us and strongest. And so we protect that. So Wow. How hard was it for you to forgive her? It I know was, that's a loaded question. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I I I want I don't want to sound trite. Um, it was almost immediate. And wow. and, the, and the reason being is because I know we live in a human world. And she, you know, she did not um set out that morning to kill my husband. Right. And she, you know, for whatever reason she was just, and honestly, the, the percentage of speed when they did the report, um, wasn't even that much. It is the reason why right now I look at truck drivers and I go, be careful. You drive a massive machine Mm -hmm. that can kill people. Please understand. Don't push your limits. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I love that right now they're trying to develop Elon Musk is trying to develop a semi with much more 
guarded things around it. It's not mm-hmm. about it driving itself. It's about it having all the safety measures around it. Right. And I'm, I'm excited because we have humans in driver's seats, right. something so huge. And it was a double tandem. So, I mean, this was a huge truck, right? And a very small SUV. I mean, just, he was here and then he was in heaven. And, and he had told me probably about six months before he said, when I go to, when we go to heaven, he said, you realize one minute we're here and the next minute we're there. Like, it's like anesthesia, right? You go under and you wake up and you're somewhere else. It's like no time has passed. He said, that's how heaven will be. And that's exactly how it, how it happened for him. One minute he was here and the next minute he was, he was in in the, in the face of Jesus. Right. So January 8th will come around and we used to mourn it. And now we look at it as his first day in heaven and we celebrate that with him. Wow. Yeah. How, how hard was it to, to be for there for your kids? Very hard. I, and I will tell you, this was the thing that surprised me is that when you put four people in a house, all grieving and with different personalities, thank goodness God had, God had given me the ability to make a lot of friends and people who were dear, dear, dear to me, um, and that we had each other. We, everybody grieves differently. They were grieving a father where I was grieving a spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a different grief altogether. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you throw that all in one home, so one good thing for all of us is we all, we gave each other room, right? We had an 11 year old son who grieved, grieved, didn't grieve openly, right? Would almost look like he wasn't grieving. Um, yet then we would find him in my closet with his dad's clothes crying, right? It was his way. Um, my middle, my middle daughter needed to spill everything, talk about everything and, you know, um, memories and, you know, it was all very vocal. Um, and my oldest daughter immediately, you know, took space, right. Started making sure mom was okay. And, you know, she was the leader. And so everybody was grieving differently. And here's this need for me to be mom. And I couldn't even finish the sentence most of the time. Now on the Devo, absolutely fluid, right. Mm -hmm. But I'm still grieving. And so, you know, I couldn't even finish the sentence. So God sent me certain people to be a part and to be in the mix and to, um, to help kind of buffer some of that and give us all all a little space. We can meet the need when we could. And then we would, you know, at times I would have to lean on my friends. So, but I had good godly friends and I encourage everybody to have them because you don't want to have to wait till the trauma to have to find them. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny since I've started doing this and started interviewing people and getting them to tell me their stories, like I've been through some stuff. You know, you know, but it's my story. And to me, my story is me, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, but when I hear other people's story, Patricia Ortega, Peggy mm-hmm. Easterling, yours, like, it's just like, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, and certainly I don't envy. Like, right. Right. I want nothing to do with any of that. Like, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it, it's so inspiring to think, you know, one of the most amazing powers God gives us is our story. Yes. Is that pain because that pain 
makes you connect with people in ways I never could. Mm-hmm. And my pain makes me connect with people that you never could. Absolutely. And that's that's a superpower, really, when you it think is. about it. Because that <laughs> that yeah. can, like we, we don't have to take years to build that relationship to help people because we can just relate our pain together and just jump straight in because we have that automatic bond. Yeah, Am absolutely. No, you're totally right. And and two two thoughts around that. One, you're talking about it being a superpower because we literally took the weapon out of the enemy's hand and turned it back on him. And I knew that, like I was determined that what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And mm-hmm. I'm going to take that yep. weapon, use it against his kingdom as fast as I possibly could. And I was not going to let him win. Like it was, I'm very competitive and that's one way I'm competitive. <laughs> I will fight, you know, that same heart you have on that VA situation, same heart I have against Satan. Like I've seen him destroy too right. many lives. I will do everything I can to destroy every plan he has. And God gives me the military, the military armor right there in the Bible that tells me how, right. right. To thwart every fiery dart that's thrown at me. And the other thing is why, why we, we can hear other people's story and be totally amazed. And actually my daughter taught me this after going through theology school, she said, God gives us grace to handle what he's given us. And so, and, you know, literally he gives, he equips us knowing that it's coming, knowing that we're going to have to deal with it as accessing that and understanding that we have it is, is, a is part of the problem is really not being equipped, right? We, we don't mm-hmm. have access what he's given us. But he gives us grace. And that's the reason why it's so hard. And then what we see in the world right now is that when we take offense for someone else, right, we take on an offense for we don't have the grace to handle it. Oh, wow. Because God gave them the grace to handle it. And so we have to be very careful not taking offense for them because we we're not equipped to handle their offense. And that's why a lot of people will you you will say, um, you know, my stories doesn't feel like a big deal to me. Um, I feel like my story is, well, of course, because God gave me the power, grace, and strength to handle my story, just like he gave you the power, grace, and strength to handle your story. I've never thought of it that way. That is incredible. Your daughter thought of or came up with that? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a smart cookie. I, yes. I like her. Land yes. of the spirit. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And totally leaned in on that. I mean, that that's where wisdom comes from. We all know mm-hmm. that. I mean, com- we can have common sense and we can have all the principles. But the fact of the matter is that deep wisdom, deep wisdom comes from from comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And yep. um, it's the reason why one of the first things that I wanted to teach the kids, right, uh, spiritual things was how to hear God's voice. When I pray yep. over them, when I used to pray over them when they were little, it was two things. One, let them love you with all their heart. Because if they love you, they'll serve you. Like, I don't have to go through all the details of everything. I don't want them to experience or all of that. Just let them fall deeply in love with you and let them know you like that. And if, and then, you know, let them not go from the left to the right, right. Just following after you. And God has been faithful, absolutely faithful. And they love him now. Have they messed up? I'm sure. Yeah. They're kids. I have to, but gosh, they love him. Mm Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So <laughs> this uh, this was nothing about what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> but it, it Isn't was God so, like that? <laughs> right? Well, and it's funny because like, 
I'm glad I started recording before you jumped on mm -hmm. because, um, and you know, normally I give a, a spiel to my guests and explain what's going to happen and everything and then introduce them to dad and let, let them and dad talk a little <laughs> bit and then, yes. you know, whatever. And it usually takes about 15, 20 minutes and then we start the actual podcast, but then we just started talking and it's like, I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you'll figure out how it all goes together later. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, I mean, and I really don't do editing a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of just leave it raw in the way the conversation is. Yes. But I mean, this is how I love to do it is just conversation because I feel like that's when we can be the most powerful is when we're not trying to think too much. Yes. We're just, we're just speaking from our heart and letting, you yes. know, God work through us to say whatever needs to be said. So yes. apparently someone in my audience needed to hear you and mm -hmm. hear your story because, man, that's that's an incredible story, Francine. Thank you. Thank and you. I am so proud of you because <laughs> I, 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 I know I couldn't do what you've done. Thank I you. couldn't handle it with that grace. And after you, you said it's because God hasn't equipped me, it suddenly makes me not feel bad. Right. It's but, true. It's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the same would be the same. If you shared your story with me, I would be totally like, I don't know how he does that. I don't know <laughs> how he can do that. Right? right. Yeah. And so, man, that, that's awesome. So tell, tell us where you're at now. Well, tell us you got the retreat and you got your coaching yeah. school. Yes. And community and all those things. So God, God put me in ministry for several years um, it's because it's all that I really knew. And then um, God, through my counselor, said, you need to get your life coach. And I was like, I don't even know what a coach is, honestly. Um, but as I went through that school and, and realized, whoa, coaching, what a powerful, powerful way, another tool in my, in, in my belt, right, to actually help people pull out their full potential. Because what I love about coaching is that um, we, we're not the ones with all the answers. We're there with the right questions to pull out the treasure that God's already put inside of them. And so as an executive coach, what I get to do is mentor coach other people that have incredible stories that, um, that have lived through some things that have a passion and a skill set, And I get to help them develop that story, develop their businesses so that they can take that and go change the world. God gave me this picture from the verse where Jesus is standing there and he's uh, looking across the world. And he said, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. And what my job is, is I empower coaches to go out and do what they're called to do with the story that they've been given with the skill set and the passion that they've been given is I'm actually creating the workers to go and bring in the harvest. Um, and um, in, in many places. So I believe God still works in the church, but I think there's a really powerful place that God's putting Christians like chess pieces into the marketplace mm -hmm. to change the world. 100%. And, and I believe coaches play a really big role in the next revival that's coming across this nation. And uh, if we'll get intentional and really care and love about people, love people and walk that out. But and that's what yeah. I get to do. Mm -hmm. that is, that's awesome. And I, I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. um, one on the power of coaching. Um, you know, I, 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 before I actually had a coach, I thought I was stupid. 
Right. right? Me too. Like, why, why do I need someone <laughs> to tell me what I, you know, yes. whatever. Yes. And then I, I had a coach and they're like, you know, like X, Y, and Z. And it's like, huh, I didn't even think of that. Yes. And, you know, or with like one of my clients, I, I, I mentioned something and he's like, I don't do that. And so then it's like, well, you did it here, 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 and here. Yes. Because I didn't even realize it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> and think about it. The sports world understood this immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they've been knowing this a long time, right? The best quarterback out there can outplay the coach but the coach knows how to pull the treasure out of that quarterback, make him a team player, 100%. hone his skill, right? See, see where his hands moved just a little bit or his, or, or his focus or what have you, right? The best, there's not a single, single um, pro out there that doesn't have a coach, right? right. And the a- moment, at least five. <laughs> right, right. And the moment that um, a parent sees a skill, like, you, you don't get a coach for a kid that just is, you know, playing. Mm-hmm. But once you see a skill set, like they've gotten good, that's when they hire a coach. Gymnast gets a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yet what we do in the business realm or what, you know, in life, we see a skill and we think, oh, I've already got it. And yeah. I'm thinking, no, why aren't we stewarding that skill by hiring a coach because we need to work from our strengths, not from our weaknesses. I think the culture went through a, a season where we literally thought, I'm going to work on my weaknesses. Nobody pays you for your weaknesses. They pay you for right? your strengths. Right? Yes. So why are we working on our weaknesses? Hire someone to do your weaknesses. And you hone the skill of your strength. And that's what a good coach will do for you. Yes. They will hone the skill of your strength. I love it. Yeah. And you know, some of the greatest coaches... And this really doesn't have any relevance. Just Mm -hmm. some of the greatest coaches of all time were Mm -hmm. never the superstar athlete. No, no. Because it wasn't their skill set, right? It wasn't their skill set is what they're doing in coaching. Yeah. Vince Lombardi. Yeah, the strategies. Vince Lombardi played, but he was never great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Boy, he coached some great teams. He did. I mean. Yeah. And the amount of wisdom, think about the quotes that have come out with him, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we find you? How, what's, you got a website. I know you got some free stuff. Yes. Consumedcoaching.com is, um, our, is my website and our team consumedcoaching.com backslash free is, um, a great resource for coaches who are looking to, um, improve their discovery call ratio. We usually get an 85 to 90% close rate for coaches. It's actually the, the outline you can, um, and a video training on how to do an excellent discovery call that isn't, isn't uh, creepy. I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. a beautiful conversation, a genuine conversation, um, that, um, that creates amazing clients for you. Awesome. And it's totally free. Totally free. Mm-hmm. nice i love it oh, actually i've never downloaded it i'll have to go check it out yes go check it out yes <laughs> and then um you got a, you got you also offer a free consultation i do a free it's uh you just go to uh, meetwithfrancine.com 
and you can get an hour. It's actually a free coaching call. Like you can actually sample what my coaching is like. And I just encourage everybody at least get one call in your life with a coach, right? Mm -hmm. So hop on there, get on my schedule and let's, let's, let's chat. Let's get through one thing that is holding you back. I have done that with you and that was amazing. And you helped me so much. Ah, awesome. It, it, was, I love a, that. it was amazing. Yes. So, all right, coach Francine, I thank you so much for, for coming on here and just being vulnerable and sharing your story. Uh, we've been at this for an hour and a half. So uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> another, this is going to be two episodes. Yes. So, um, but yes. again, thank you so much. Um, you know, I love, I love you to death and I respect mm -hmm. the daylights out of you. Um, mm -hmm. and I hope the rest of the, you know, my audience can hear this and the rest of the world can get to know you because you truly are a great, a great, great person. And I don't say that to build up your ego, but no, you've you. helped me, you've coached me and it's just, you're, it's incredible. It's an honor to have you here. It's an honor to be here. And I hope we do more things together. I hope we can at some point plan a, a webinar together. Let's, let's all like, you know, I love the, the world needs um, more and mm -hmm. the more we're out there, the better. So I, I hope we do more together. So big time. Okay. So uh, one last uh, uh, ambush on you before we go, yeah. give us, give us a final piece of a final word of wisdom a little golden nugget. Yes. You are everything that God says you are. And I know that things like imposter syndrome and fear and, you know, wanting, wanting to get it perfect before you get started at, um, God's called you to it. Just trust him and take one step at a time, uh, take action and trust him to be there with every step, everything I've ever done. I was about 75% sure I was right. And, um, and I was in no way qualified to do it. So nix it. You don't need to be qualified. God's already qualified you. Um, he will equip you the whole way and you don't have to be sure. Just start taking the steps. He's a big enough God to walk you down that road and get you there. Wow. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the cold. That's right. That's I love right. it. You're just looking for a yes. Just give him a yes. Just tell him, okay. Yes. That's all I've ever done. That's awesome, Coach Francine. I thank you. And uh, Dad, thanks for, uh, as always. And we will see you Very all nice next week. Meeting you. Same. Same. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, everybody. Sweet getting too much, but I can't pull back. Though I try to resist, I can't fight this. And no one. Makes me feel like you do All right, everybody, that wraps up today's podcast. Thank you for listening. And I hope you really uh, got a lot out of Francine's uh, words. You can check her out at kingdomhq.com. If you need, uh, if you're trying to become a coach or you are a coach, she is definitely someone that can help you. Also, she has a, a big, uh, big love for sales. So if you're looking for a sales coach, uh, I'm pretty sure she, um, she'll help you out there. Uh, she just has a heart to serve. So 
reach out to her if you need uh, need her any kind of help. And uh, even if she can't help you, she has a huge network and she'll be able to get you to where you need to go. That's kingdomhq.com. Francine Ivy is her name. And what an incredible person. And as always, guys, you can go check me out at renownedleadership.com. And uh, we got some big changes coming up for uh, the new year. So make sure you keep an eye on the website. Uh, January 1st, it's going live. Um, I'm not going to tell you more. Uh, you're just going to have to wait until it goes live. So it's it's pretty it's pretty huge. So a lot of things are changing. Uh, we're going to have a lot of new programs, a lot of new uh, uh, services. So keep an eye on that. Check me out, renownedleadership.com. All right, guys, that wraps up today. And thanks again for joining us. And remember, lead like a champion.